0: Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in the CIM Marketing Podcast are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the companies they work for. We hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. And today we are with a very exciting guest from the sporting world, Mr. Henry Chilcott who is Chief Marketing Officer of Formula E, the all-electric motorsport championship that many of you will be familiar with, because Henry was the subject of our profile interview in issue four of Catalyst 2022. And he is here just about to go to Valencia to begin pre-season testing for Formula E. So on your breath of schedule, Henry, thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit more about this exciting sport? Uh, firstly thanks very much for the
0: invite it's great to be here um, excited always to tell more people about our great sport so i uh, like start at the top right so we're uh, we're an all electric racing series uh, um single seater so that means uh, a driver sitting right at the center of the car open wheel so similar to what you'd expect from formula 1 and we race all around the globe we race in city centers so as much as possible we want to bring the racing to the people in the streets of yep. these iconic cities around the world so Cities as broad and far-reaching as, as obviously, London itself, but through to Berlin, Monaco, Jakarta. We're going to Tokyo this year, Cape Town last year, New York City in the past. We're going over to Portland. So very, very broad number of races across a rich calendar. Um, And and I guess the the final thing I'd say on it is we have an extraordinary group of manufacturers at at the centre of our sports. So so in my time at Formula E, we worked with uh, Porsche, uh, McLaren, we also have Neo uh, from China. We have Mahindra from India, Jaguar from the United Kingdom. Uh, so a very rich group of of exciting manufacturers who use our platform to demonstrate just what electric
1: vehicles are capable of. Well, demonstrating what electric vehicles are capable of is an important part of it, isn't it? We're we're seeing in the sort of consumer market a move towards. Electric vehicles. Sometimes we need to demonstrate what the electric vehicle can do when we're looking at the zenith, the top end. How did it come about then? Was it was it that you were driven by a sort of sustainability drive, an energy efficiency drive, a new energy drive, if you like, or was it that you were a Formula One fan and thought we could do this with all electric cars?
0: It's a really good question, and I joined Formula E. I actually was in Formula One, so I was at at McLaren (laughs) uh, um, Formula One team for, for four years before joining Formula E in back in 2020. Um, so if I start by saying how did Formula E come to be, it was an idea hatched by uh, Jean Tot, who was the president of the FIA at the time, and Alejandro Agag. Um, and they came up with this idea to create an electric world motorsport uh, series. And at the time, you've got to remember, back then in 2011, when they were thinking about this idea, electric vehicles were nowhere. It was its, it's mm. amazing if you take your mind back to that time that the general perception of electric vehicles, what they were milk floats, they weren't capable of of great levels of performance. So the idea of creating a high-end racing series at the time, a lot of people thought was for the birds, right? Um, So what's really interesting, though, if you you think about the combination of high performance and sustainability is, the world didn't need another motorsport series, right? So back in those days, it didn't need another motorsport series. There's plenty of motorsport out there. There's plenty of uh, single-seater motorsport out there. Um, but you could also argue the world didn't need another kind of climate action group. But what was clever about this coming together was that it could bring those two things together and light up stories and, and innovation around greener technologies and, and electric vehicle performance in a way which is much more compelling. So it's a really noble story that the shift to electric vehicles, because it's one of the greatest contributors of, of CO2 emissions. And, 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 and therefore, this mission of the organization, the purpose it was founded on was to accelerate the adoption of electric vehicles in the fight against climate change. So it had a noble yeah. purpose, but at its heart, the vehicle that allowed it to gain
1: momentum and worldwide acclaim is, of course, the sport. It's interesting, isn't it? There are almost three different ways you could market formulary. E. You could market it as sort of sustainability first and say it's a sustainability with sport. You could market it as a sort of it's sport with sustainability. Or you could market it as just sport. Which of those three is it? So It's a great question. And
0: one of the first that I, I tackled when I, when I when I came here, because fundamentally, um my job is to grow this sport so to bring in tens of millions of fans around the world hundreds of millions of fans around the world and people tune in to watch us for entertainment so fundamentally the doorway into our sport for the vast majority of people is the entertainment value that it provides and we all know there's very deep and rich competition in motorsport in sport more broadly and indeed uh, everything through to, uh, um, you know, the consoles that our kids spend so much time on. So so there's a huge amount of competition. So fundamentally, we are a sport. Uh, We're a sport born of a purpose. So our right to exist is predicated on us being electric. As I said earlier, the world didn't need another motorsport. The gateway that people come into our sport, 99 percent of the time is, wow, have you seen the drama, the number of overtakes, the excitement that's playing out on these tracks all around the world? The reason people stay in and uh, develop a deeper advocacy for the sport is the positive impact that we have on the the world. And what's interesting is the the fans that we attract to the sport tend to be younger, more gender balanced and and care about the planet more. So I'm not saying that they're tuning into us because we're saving the planet, but they love us for the fact that we're doing that. Um, And of course, the, the partners that we attract recognize that these are people that are going to spend money, more money on products and services that have a positive impact on the on the planet so it's an alchemy of both but fundamentally if we're not great sport
1: we, we're not going to have any fans it's a, it's a great sport with sustainability as an advantage which is an interesting combination a great great fusion i think of two as you, as you say two different dynamics for those people who Haven't seen it. And it is on Channel 4. It's free to wear. For those people who want to watch it, it's starting again uh, next year in the new year. But for those people who haven't yet caught up with Formula E, how does it compare as a sport, actually, to Formula One? So, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, like
0: Formula E is the name. Uh, um, so as soon as you do that, it's it, the the immediate comparison is, is, is to Formula One. And actually, it's it's similar in many ways, but very different in many ways as, as well. So if I can kind of set out the obvious separation is we are 100% electric, whereas Formula One is, uh, it would describe itself as hybrid, but 95% is is combustion. Um both of them are F- FIA World Championships, so that's the stamp of authority that we're an FIA World Championship. Um, we have a car which is designed and built by uh, Formula E and the FIA, so that's an interesting uh, point. So the car is designed by us. Everything that makes that car move, the the, the powertrain, which is basically the, the electric motors and everything internal, gearbox, et cetera, and the software that manages the transfer of the of the energy into power to driving it that is de- that is developed by the manufacturers so the Aha. racing team have a consistent car but the differentiator is of course everything that, that makes it move so the, uh, the electric motor the suspension all those kind of aspects the software and of course the driver and what's interesting about that is it means that the racing is is closer there is yeah. less chance of uh, there being a runaway leader in the the championship, as we're seeing, for example, in F1 at the moment with Max Verstappen, who who clinched the title, I think, you know, two thirds of the way through the season. So our racing, the, and this is where I think the big difference from a fan perspective comes, is that we've had uh, eight different winners over nine seasons. Wow. Uh, we've had, uh, if I just take Monaco, we had, um, I think it was 116 overtakes in on the streets of Monaco. Uh, uh Uh last year i think f1 in 21 had like one overtake because the cars are big uh, and not designed for that type of racing they've got they've kind of outgrown the race whereas our cars are designed they're smaller so they're smaller cars uh um, and therefore are are more nimble and able to overtake in those tight circuits so we have a a a form of racing which is it's tighter it's more competitive there's more overtakes and, and more drama now formula one i might add has has a great brand of racing as well. I, I am a Formula One fan. I, I'm a, I remain a fan of, of McLaren from my time there. And it's a, it's, it's a fantastic spectacle. But Formula E is a, is a very different, more compact. The races tend to be 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and it all happens on one day. So we have our quality on one day. We have our race on one day. Um, uh-huh. So there's similarities, as we say, but also quite a lot of differences.
1: I think what people will take from that is the level of competitiveness. It is a different model that you're providing effectively, you're providing a chassis If these things are all identical and the technology inside them is what differentiates one constructor from a different constructor. And that in and of itself is helping advance the technology that is going into cons- the consumer market, is it not? So your your role as a marketer is also to facilitate and enable the development of the technology to some degree. That's true, and and you know it is a marketing platform and a fan platform,
0: right? So yeah. my job isn't just about uh, attracting fans; it's also about creating a platform which is going to attract and retain incredible manufacturers. So we talked about those manufacturers earlier. They're in this championship on the basis of its ability, ultimately, to help them burnish their brand reputation and the perception of them at being at the cutting edge of uh, electric vehicle technology and, and and performance. So we have to create a platform which is Powerful for our manufacturers because, and ultimately, a sporting format which is powerful for our fans. But of course, you can't have a great sporting format unless you've got great manufacturers. The fans want to see McLaren going toe to toe with Porsche, which I think last happened in in Open Wheel Motorsport back in the back in the 60s, right? So yeah. we've brought these great teams back together to the table uh, next to each other. But the really interesting thing from, a, again, as someone who came from Formula One, where you have a, there's a design em- envelope for the car um, and then every team goes off and builds their own car. I think it's like 18,000 components in the Formula One car. And by the end of the season, 90 percent of those components are new. So they're constantly evolving. That was yeah. a powerful story when I was at Formula One. I remember telling that story. To many people, as I was trying to bring new partners into the platform. What's interesting is when I came to Formula E, that was a disaster of a story. Right? Yes. So, because that is <laughs> the reverse that is this amount of waste and carbon in pursuit of performance. And yeah. and the if there was a kind of equation that represents um, Formula E, a kind of formula for Formula E is that we show the world that high performance and sustainability can powerfully coexist. So yeah. it's not performance at any cost. It has to be responsible performance. And that is, I guess, what is right at the core of our championship, but also our sport and also attention within our sport. So I could tell you that we have a a very limited number. We have one tire compound across a a race weekend. So one tire, come rain or shine, that is one tire. Now we do that because uh, in, in other motorsports, unnamed, you get through a huge amount of tires. That is, that's a huge amount of freight to be carrying around the world which burns a lot of carbon but also those tires themselves are often used for a very short amount of time and then and then 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 discarded. so we have one tire compound across the whole weekend that tire compound is the same tire compound made by Hunkuk uh, for our championship that you will find on road cars so it's not made specifically for us it is a road car tire compound and in every part that is open for development within that car, so we said that it's, it's built, the chassis is built by us, but everything, as you said, on the inside, the technology is, is driven by the, by the teams. Everything that is open for the t- teams and manufacturers to develop has the opportunity to trickle down to the road car. So there is no expensive aero programme where you're spending tens of millions of pounds in the pursuit of an extra tenth of a, sec- of a, of a lap time that has zero relevance to, to road cars. All of that is stripped out of Formula e. Everything that the manufacturers spend money on to drive performance on the track can aid uh, uh, their road car. So we have a battery in the car and the battery is limited in terms of the amount of energy we have. So the car has to be a lethally efficient machine because you can't have too big a battery because that's too heavy and you have a heavy race car. So we have a race car that is is designed that only has 60% of the energy it requires to complete the race at the beginning of the race. So during the race, the Gen 3 race car, which we launched this year, 40% of the energy that it consumes in the race, it generates during the race. Wow. So if you think about that for a moment, that's a, that's a power station on wheels. That is, a, that is a car that is generating its own power, 40% of its own power. Now, if you think about the implications of what that could triple down in terms of road cars and their efficiency, it already happens. Anyone who has an electric car or even a hybrid car understands the idea of the energy going back into the battery being harvested. That's a great example of where the stuff that we're developing on the track can obviously trickle down to the road car programs.
1: Which is a great development story, a great technology development story. But it's also a great marketing story for the teams, for the marks, because they can then say, as used in Formula E. The story of the electric vehicle is its image has gone from milk to Tesla in a very, very short space of time that people have realized that this thing is a high performance way of driving a motor car. And if you're able to say, as a Mark, as a Porsche, as a McLaren, saying that this technology can be used in road vehicles, it's a great way of marketing to the home user that this car is about performance. It's not just about sustainability. It's about performance with sustainability. Exactly, and it, it's a balancing act, right? Because the
0: general perception in people's minds, driven by by Formula One over 70 years, is the pursuit of of performance. It is a it's all about performance, and 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 at any cost. Now they are obviously doing a, a, a job now to uh, find ways to be more sustainable. Of course, as any yeah. sport has to, but fundamentally, that that's a tension for them because we were conceived at the beginning to be a, a balance of sustainability and, and, and high performance, whereas, of course, they're having to rein back some of that performance in order to be more sustainable. So as a, for instance, if I go back to the 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 tyre point, point, if we put slick tyres on the exact same car in Monaco, we could be four seconds, four seconds a lap faster, four seconds well, a lap. That's
1: faster. huge, huge amount. That's
0: huge. So, so, so a Formula One team will spend tens of millions of pounds to try and shave a few hundreds of a second of lap time yeah. we could change the tires but we choose not to because of the environmental impact likewise here's another interesting kind of area of development as we're developing out the battery technology at the front of the car so we have two two powertrains we have a front powertrain and a rear powertrain so a front motor and a rear motor the front motor at the moment is uh, is designed uh, for only for regen So it it is designed to to capture the kinetic energy and put it back into the battery. We're not even using it for propulsion yet. We could do, but so far we haven't decided to switch that on. If we switch that on, the car will go even more fast. The acceleration we anticipate will break two seconds in 0 to 60 kilometers per hour. formula one car 2.6 seconds Uh, so that's in our gift to switch that motor on now obviously if we switch that on it's going to be more power hungry and therefore we have to balance the battery etc but that's the interesting construct where we've got the sporting product we've got the performance and and performance we've got sustainability story and we've got the fans we've got to think about how can we create the most compelling sport in a way which is sustainable which is going to be Excite our fans, but also shows shines a light on the most powerful kind of uh, EV technologies in development. So it's a balancing act between the three, which we need to constantly kind of push.
1: You're still getting about 200 mile per hour top speed out of these things, aren't you? And what about a three second not to sixty something like that, even with yeah, the current <laughs> Yeah, it's two point <laughs> eight at
0: the moment, and yeah, the maximum uh, theoretical speed is 200 miles per hour. I say theoretical because because we're on street circuits, we haven't yet. Hit that on a on a street circuit. Obviously, if we just went to a runway, that would be a, a, a different matter. The performance right now is great. But what I find exciting and energizing is the fact that the development curve with EVs is incredibly steep. Yeah, And we have, even in the package that we have at the moment, the car that we have at the moment, we have the ability to go four seconds faster if we wanted to. We have the ability to turn on the front powertrain, which would, of course, make the car four wheel, wheel drive and more power going through the front axle, which could get us to accelerate sub two seconds, 0 to 60. Yet at the moment, we're not just pressing all those buttons. And the reason for that, which is quite counterintuitive for um, someone that came from F1 when I first joined here, is that what we prioritize above everything is the, is the spectacle. Ultimately, the most interesting race isn't necessarily cars going really, really fast in circles chasing each other what makes really really exciting racing is jeopardy risk overtakes strategic calls um and and moments where you know underdogs can come through or champions can falter all that all those great stories so we design the sport and we make these decisions yes to ensure that we've always got a a close eye on on the sustainability narrative but also to make sure that it's going to be the most dramatic and exciting racing on
1: track there's a focus on racing rather than raw speed although still the raw speed is is pretty good
0: ways to learn and upskill cim members can register now for our upcoming member exclusive webinars more details available at cim.co.uk forward slash content
1: f1 is a competitor i mean let's be honest it's a, a lot of your fans are also f1 fans but nevertheless f1 is a competitor and as that is trying to be more sustainable and it is trying to be more sustainable it, Many will say it's got a long way to go before it can call itself anything like sustainable, but it is making steps to become more sustainable. Does that chip away at your USP? Um,
0: well, interestingly, so so as I said at the top, um, the founding purpose of Formula E was uh, to accelerate the adoption of electric vehicles in the fight against climate change. We've broadened that um, when I joined three years ago, uh, and it's now articulated. As accelerating sustainable human progress through the power of electric racing. So if that's our purpose right at the top, the big, lofty purpose, it follows that it can't it can't be enough for us just to do a good job within our world. We need to yeah. inspire and support others to to, to to that end. So so we 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 hit a real milestone next year. So next year we will be net zero carbon for ten years. So not net zero carbon in ten years, or going forward from today all the way back to our our first race 10 years ago. What we're going to potentially go to the market with next year is is how can we encourage other motorsports or sports to accelerate their progress towards uh, greater sustainability and ultimately carbon neutrality. And what's interesting is if I asked you before we had this conversation, um, if I asked anyone, what do you think the first sport in the world to be net zero carbon would be? It would probably take quite a long time for you to get to a motorsport yeah, I don't think I'd ever be get there. that that would be the sport that was net zero carbon. Yet we've achieved that because, and to be fair to us, it's easier. We're not a legacy sport. We were founded with that principle in in place. So we've measured every ounce of carbon we've created from the very beginning. Um, and a- against the full UN um, endorsed program, we measure, we reduce uh, um, that which uh, we can across, and that's an ongoing process, and we have signed up to science-based targets, which commits us to a further forty five percent reduction in carbon from season five to season 10 so really ag- aggressive targets so there's measure there's reduce and then there's offset that which we can't reduce and the way we offset is through uh, programs all, all around the world um, which could be for example uh, we do work with unicef there's a school just outside mexico city where we've done a rainwater capture project which is bringing uh, water to schools which unbelievably a a huge number of schools in mexico city don't have access to clean water in in the schools so we do these carbon credit credit schemes around the world we want to encourage others to be better i can see a world where we invite other sports to come to see our sport and learn and understand from a pioneer in this space but fundamentally the formula one fan does not want formula one to go electric ultimately like all we can do is focus on 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 our, our area of the world so so if I look forward to, let's say, ten years' time, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. So we've just seen the the UK government push back uh, uh, from 2030 to 2035 the production of, of pure combustion, the the availability of and production of combustion vehicles in in the United Kingdom. There are other areas in Europe which are being more, much more aggressive with that, and uh, and the US of course will will follow, and it will take a bit more time, but there will come a point where the pressure will become too great and the manufacturers therefore will be investing all their money in electric powertrains. And therefore it's hard to see how a manufacturer is going to invest hundreds of millions of pounds into technologies which ultimately are no longer keeping pace with uh, their road car business. So it will be interesting. And and again, I don't have a crystal ball, but all I can say is we are positioned well for where the future is going um, in terms of uh, um, electric powertrains. But I do also say Going back to what I said at the beginning is, we take nothing for granted, and fundamentally, people don't tune in for us because we're saving the world. They tune in for us because we're creating compelling sports. So we never think that because the world's going electric, therefore Formula E inherits the earth. That that's just not the way the world works. We have to focus on creating compelling, dramatic sport that people tune into, um, and then the 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 added benefit of of our of our purpose is, is is is
1: the thing that kind of comes behind it. But by producing that compelling, entertaining sport, you are showing other sports, not just F1, other sports, not just other motorsports, um, other sports generally, that actually being sustainable in sport is possible to create a very high performance, high octane, high entertainment product while being sustainable. I mean, we've focused a little bit uh, too much perhaps on F1, but you know, football is not a sustainable sport. It, the actual playing of the game doesn't use any carbon emissions, but going around the world for World Cups and so on and so forth is, a, you know, got a big, big carbon penalty. Some statistics provided to me before this show said the last three World Cups have generated 2.2 to 2.8 million tonnes of carbon per World Cup. Now, that is a huge amount football is is, is promising to change its ways to some degree do you see that this is a this is a start of a general trend in the sporting world to become more sustainable you know by having these exemplars like Formula E, it's pushing um, other sports to do likewise I, i think so i mean we should be raising the bar
0: and if a motorsport could be net zero carbon for 10 years then surely you know anyone can get there right and of course the tension there of course is motorsport most motorsports obviously create carbon in the propulsion of their their cars right whereas in football that doesn't happen in in, in many sports that doesn't happen the carbon is being created from in in many cases the travel yeah and uh, so so uh, and, th- and then there are long tail of things that they can do in order to, to be more efficient and get on that train towards carbon neutrality everything down to food options serves at stadia and and being plugged into the green grid to power those stadia, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there are many, many levers that will pull I I genuinely believe that the most clubs federations are already on this journey. That's because the demand from the fans is such that it's not a, can you, it's, it's, it's a demand. It's a, it's, it's, it's absolute necessity. I think what we're more talking about is the speed of this transition. Yeah. And, 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 and that's a kind of a core, driver for us which is we're wanting to accelerate sustainable human progress it's not about saying we're going to get there so so our challenge to other sports is if they're going you know we're going to be uh, carbon neutral 2030 2040 our challenge is not you know that you are being whether you're whether or not you're going carbon neutral it's about how quickly you're going to get there and and beyond that what's the legacy impact that that's going to have on the world so we too let's be honest as formula e we fly around the world right so we try as much as possible to, uh, to take our cars around the world through sea freight. Obviously, as I said earlier, we manage the, the fleet of cars. So formally centrally manage the freight of the cars all around the world, which is more efficient than individual teams all doing it separately. So that is far more efficient, and therefore we can control the calendar and what goes by sea freight versus air freight. Air freight, of course, far more carbon intensive. So there are many levers that we, that, that, that we can pull. Um, but we need to inspire more clubs and put more pressure on more clubs and championships to, to go faster because fundamentally it is easier we recognize as as a as a new sport with we're, we're 10 years next year founded on the principles of sustainability it's not enough for us to just throw rocks at people who have been around for 70 years 100 years because they have to make a big shift it's the same with businesses like businesses have legacy processes it's harder to change from a different model but we need to help port that that transition and inspire and create greater sense of pressure within fan bases to demand that uh, pace of change
1: it's like building a house isn't it most builders will tell you it's much harder to retrofit a house into a new design than just knock it down and start again are there any other sports that you consider exemplars in this stuff
0: i should start really with um uh our founder Alejandro Agag he's he's created he's he's one of those serial entrepreneurs who who, who somehow I don't know folds time he he he, he at a time when you think he couldn't be any more busy suddenly comes up with something else to do so he's created uh, after Formula E Extreme E which is a uh, off-road electric racing oh, wow. series so, and its calendar is dictated by areas that are facing real climate crises of of, of different types so they they take electric off-road racing to to bring awareness to those those areas and uh, and and create legacy programs within those areas so again that's maybe three years three seasons in now so that's even got that's got all the learning from Formula E taken into a into a new program uh he's also launching next year E1 which is a, a electric powerboat racing series so again compounding all of that learning into into electrifying powerboats and electrifying the oceans so there's a immediate world where I can see um, a huge amount of, of expertise garnered within Formula One being applied to other forms of, of motorsport. And then, of course, Cell GP, um, uh, uh, I guess, a, an, another leading light in, in the area of sustainability. Again, probably a more um, intuitive sport in that regard because, of course, it's powered by the wind um, and mm-hmm. therefore it makes more intuitive sense than, than probably a, a motorsport. Um, and also, I think it's it's probably also worth mentioning that um, sustainability, we, we can often go immediately, and and most of this conversation has been focused on environmental sustainability. The definition of sustainability is, of course, far broader and also yeah. applies to social progress, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of great work that's happening within the Premier League at the moment with the work that they're doing around driving that agenda. I think they've made huge leaps over the last five years um, in, in in all sorts of areas of diversity equality, inclusion um, so I think it's also important to recognize that it's not just about the the environment it's it's how can sport as a often global and highly emotive and inspiring platform use its reach to, uh, to, to create a positive impact in the world and, and of course environment is a very key pillar of that and that's a key focus uh, uh, for us but of course there are there are many other areas that sport can can, can create
1: positive impact. Henry, we've raced through this session, excuse the pun, but before you go, what do you think are going to be the key trends that sports fans are going to see in the world of general sustainability, overall sustainability, um, in the next two or three years that haven't maybe happened yet in all sports?
0: Um, I think, you know, I think the the social progress will continue to be a a key plank of most sports, because, of course, when we talk about, let's say, the grass-based sports, um, uh, versus, versus motorsport. There's a lot of work that can be done in, in that space. Like football has, it, it's so huge. And of course, it's spread across multiple leagues around the world versus Formula to one league, same with Formula One. But the impact and the scale and the reach and the passion within the football space, I think we can expect to see more clubs maturing in their um, focus to drive positive social impact um, I think we're seeing some really good, encouraging movements in gender equality within football. Um, I, I, I don't know about you and your viewers, but it did, the World Cup that we've just seen has just accelerated the engagement with uh, women's football to a level that, that that had been previously kind of unsurpassed. So that's fantastic to see. I've, I've got a daughter. I have a one-year-old daughter. So brilliant, again, personally for me to see that. But we're seeing that at a at an international level, but we're also seeing that at a club level, um, which is brilliant. So the engagement with with women's sport, and in particular, with women's football, I think is another great demonstration of, of driving social progress and equality. So I think we're going to see more of that. And I think, crucially, more value coming from that. So ultimately, all of these agendas, they accelerate in their power, directly connected to the revenues that they drive. So fundamentally, the more viewers can get watching women's football, the more money that's going to pour in. And therefore, the more it's going to scale, the better distribution it's going to get and it becomes a kind of Phoenix effect. So in the same way as that's a big drive for us with Formula E, growing our distribution, growing our reach, growing our fan base, I think we're going to see that in, in women's football and more broadly across other forms of female engagement within sports. So we're driving that with our FIA girls on track platform within Formula E. So I think we're going to see more of that. And then on the environmental side, you know, stadia, green stadia, using environmental progress as a lens through which the decisions are made, thinking about how we can look at every single aspect of what we do to create a a more positive or limit the negative impact on, on environment. I think we're seeing it so next time you go to a football stadium just look at the around you at the decisions that, that are being made to, to kind of advance that because there are big levers we can pull and then there's a thousand small levers we can pull and it's in pulling those thousand small levers as well as the big levers that we're going to make the progress we need to see
1: in sport as in life create a great product that people find fantastic get that eyeballs on that product get that buy-in and then use that buy-in as an agent for change Fantastic message from Henry Chilcott, CMO at Formula E. Henry, it's been an amazing show. Thanks for your attendance. Thanks for your time and your insights. I hope you'll join us again on the podcast. It's been great having you. Thank you very much. Your pleasure. Thanks for your time.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. CIM
1: Marketing Podcast.